Hi diddly dee, it's episode number three. Yesterday I spoke about a bit about emotional intelligence, a bit about incremental improvements, and a couple of other you know bits and pieces, but moving on from incremental improvements, I want to touch on something that I've touched upon briefly before, and it's this idea of wanting to do something like we all do we all we all have this thing that we'd love to do whether it's start a podcast or start swimming or start a band or take dance lessons or do a bit of creative writing or learn another language or you know we all we all have a thing that we've we've always wanted to do and you know we'll do one of these fucking decades and in keeping with this incremental improvement idea say is if you have something that you want to do, tell someone. Tell them that you want to do it as a first step. If you're maybe afraid that what it is that you want to do is a bit grandiose, like maybe you want to set up a GAA club in your part of the county that has never had hurling, say, and people are going to look at you and go, yeah, good luck with that one. Or maybe it's even bigger again. Maybe you want to cure world fucking hunger. And you're afraid that people are going to go, yeah, you're going to cure world hunger. Yeah, congratulations. Or maybe it's just something tiny, like wanting to pick up a new hobby, but you just haven't basically gotten around to it. Or maybe you've built it up in your head. Maybe you've ruminated on the idea of starting it or something so much that you've built it up in your head so that it may as well be curing world fucking hunger. You've deliberated, deliberated over it that much and essentially tortured yourself about it. But a way around that, a way around the mountain that either is there or that you've created, artificially or otherwise, is to tell somebody that you want to do it. Tell somebody that you would like to do it. Because that's a precursor. Telling somebody that you'd like the idea of doing this particular thing is a precursor for telling somebody that you love to do this particular thing, which is a precursor for saying that you hope to do this particular thing, which is a precursor for saying that someday you're going to do this particular thing, which in itself is a precursor for, do you know fucking something? I've decided I'm going to do this thing. I don't know when, but I'm going to do it. Which is a precursor for, fuck it, you'll never guess what, I signed up for that course, or I made my first recording last night, or... I went for a run. Whatever the fuck it is that you've been planning to do, tell somebody about your thoughts of wanting to do it. In a, in a roundabout way, it's almost like asking an 80-year-old or a 100-year-old, you know, how did you get to this ripe old age? Say somebody on their 100th birthday, you ask them something stupid like, Jesus, you know, fair play to you. How did, how did you make it to 100? They made it to 100 by taking one day at a time. And you finish a marathon having put your left foot after your right foot after your left foot after your right foot it's it's baby steps it's it's very very rare if it happens at all that somebody will you know wake up one day and decide that they're going to break the deadlift world record you know you you have to you have to start lifting a weight that you can lift before you can start lifting a weight that you have never lifted before before you can lift a weight that no man has ever lifted in human history 
So basically, just lest they forget, I, I just wanted to hammer home that idea that if you have something that you've been planning to do, that you've been wishing to do, that you've been wanting to do, which I think maybe it's just maybe it's just me or maybe it's just the people that I hang around with, but I can't help but feel that me and my mates are essentially representative of a good swath of, of society. It's It's not everyone, obviously, but I can't help but think that most, if not indeed the overwhelming majority of people, have something that they wish they could do. Or maybe it's something they wish they could say. Maybe they wish they could tell their boss to fuck off. Maybe they wish that they could just quit their poxy job. Maybe they wish something far less trivial. But if it's something that you've been struggling to do, whatever it is, maybe tell somebody you're thinking about before you tell them that you're going to do something about it, before you set a date that you're going to have something done by. And just see where that takes you. You know, you, you, you don't finish your dinner by shoving the whole thing in your mouth and, and trying to chew it. You know, bite-sized chunks, bit by bit, and you'll fucking get there. So in in summary, I think I just needed to, to clarify that for, for myself, I think, as much as anything else, in relation to the importance of, of incremental improvements and how bit by bit we can achieve tiny things or great things. But it's always the incremental improvement. It's always the step-by-step approach. My mum, as it happens, texted me last night. Uh, Hi, mammy, friend of the show. She um, she said, amongst other things, that she started partly because of the kick up the hole my podcast yesterday, I think, gave her, was that she's trying to sort out her house. I think, like most people always are, I think, yeah, I think it's fair to say we're all endlessly trying to kind of perfect our homes or at least just tidy them up the fuck or just change a few things that we'd like to change but she said something to me in a text message last night that I just thought embodied exactly what exactly what I was trying to get across by incremental improvements got there she didn't set aside an entire day to get stuck into her house and, and clean it from top to bottom she said that she was going to move five things a day she didn't say that she was going to get up and move five things. But so long as five things are moved throughout the course of the day, she'd be happy with that. Now, how hard could it be to move a cup here or move a fucking picture there or whatever? And maybe she bit off more than she could chew at five. Maybe she didn't push it half enough. But she'll figure that out herself. And that's, that's an important thing to remember. The beauty and part of incremental improvements and the step-by-step approach is that you can tailor your progression depending on how you're progressing. Like this idea of sitting down and mapping out the next 12 months. Fucking forget that shit. Maybe on a maybe on a macro scale. Like maybe if you're if you're saying to yourself, you know, you want to achieve you want to achieve x goal by the end of the year. That's that's fair enough. But you have to break that down into two month blocks and break those two month blocks into week chunks and those week chunks into, you know, the next couple of days. And without that, without that planning and without that objective, you're never really going to reach your destination. Now, destinations are kind of tricky because if your goal is to get fitter, you'll be fitter in, you know, 40 days time if you try and go running every day or even every second day. But your goal still remains the same, to get fitter. So you'll you'll start off running 5k in half an hour, you'll get that down to 28 minutes and you'll want to get it down to 25 and keep pushing and pushing and pushing until you kind of plateau. And for me personally, what I find works is find something, get better at it, 
keep doing it until you plateau and move the fuck on to something else. And again, that, maybe that's just a personal thing. Maybe that's just me. I, I like the idea of being a wide achiever as opposed to a high achiever. And the, the way I kind of, the way these podcasts have, have gone, the conversations that I've had and the with people and the, the solo podcast that I've done, they're not, it's not a philosophy podcast, no more than it's a drug podcast, no more than it's a fitness podcast. It's a bit of everything. And I'm constantly trying to broaden my horizons because I think, and again, maybe one of the fundamental motivations for me getting on different people from what I call different loops. So, you know, musicians and car enthusiasts and teachers and mythology experts and, and different people from kind of different loops, as I call it. The reason I think that I've gravitated towards talking to these people is the better understanding that I can get of a wide variety of people, the better understanding I have of people. Because we are all we are all individuals. We're all completely different than each other. And I think I, I may have touched on this in the, in the last solo episode. We do all fit quite nicely into our own pigeonholes. Like, I would be in the martial art, fitness, health, philosophy, drug loophole, say. But I'm certainly not in the horse racing loophole. Um, I had a small bit of correspondence with Nina Carberry recently, as it happens. Nina's up to her eyes this time of year, because that's racing's busy season. But Nina's agreed to come on, so I'm going to contact Nina at the start of the summer. So I'm really, really looking forward to her. Because I, I know nothing about horse racing. I literally only there over the Christmas. I think it was Stevens's day. I was in uh, my brother-in-law's house with my young lad, Fionn, three-year-old, sitting on my knee. And everyone else was watching the horse racing, as we were. And uh, I was explaining to Fionn as best I could what horse racing was. And in order for me to explain it to him, I had to ask the lads that were watching it. So I was asking, you know, was this a steeplechase or a flat or a... Because there's all these kind of names that I associate with horse racing, like jumps and different things. But I don't know or understand any of it, really. So much so that the ads came on and then the, the race ended or whatever, and the ads came on, it came back on. And my ignorance was at such a level that when the show came back on, like when the programme came back on, the race horse programme came back on after the ads there was a female jockey being interviewed, and she'd obviously just got off a horse, she wasn't about to enter a race, she had just raced, it was clear from you know, I think she was out of breath and there could have been muck on her face, and you know she, she was clearly after doing something and not about to do something and I went, oh no way look Fionn, there's a, there's a female jockey there must have been a women's race on as well and one of the lads went what do you mean a women's race? And I was like, well, she's a fucking female jockey. Like, what do you think I mean? And he said, but she was in that race just there now. And I was like, no way. Was that a women's race we were watching? And he said, no, you lunatic. There's no such thing as women's races. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what do I mean? What do you mean? There's like, there's no women's racing. What, what are you talking about? And I was like, the women compete with the men. And he's like, yeah. I was like, no way. I was like, yeah, of course. What did you think? And I was like, well, I don't know anything about horse racing, so I didn't know. And then I asked, <laughs> this is the, the, the misogynist fucking bursting out of me here, I suppose. I asked, like, was there a handicap involved? Like, you know, did they did they get some sort of... Uh, I knew they didn't get a head start, but I, I just thought there might be some sort of an allowance made, you know, because they're women. As, as sexist as that 
is. Blatantly, obviously. And, you know, that was met with, with laughter all around, going, no, no, obviously not. No, they just, it's, you know, it's it's a horse race. It's not a men's race. It's not a mixed race. It's not a woman's race. It's just a horse race. And I was like, no fucking way. And it, it just got me thinking. And it, it immediately made me think of snooker. Because there's women's snooker. And I stand to be corrected on this, but I would imagine there's women's darts. And there's obviously women's tennis, but I never minded women's tennis. Women's tennis never really bothered me because that's like a physical sport as opposed to darts and snooker. Strength is very, very, very relevant in tennis. And I think that's borne out by the fact that I think that Vina Williams... Venus, Venus Williams, Vina Williams, Venus Williams, who at the time was the number one undisputed female tennis world champion, couldn't beat number 200 ranked man. And that's not because she's not any good. She's obviously unbelievable. But she just doesn't have the upper body strength of a man. Even if, even if she was the same size as a man, because men and women, men are typically stronger. But we're also typically bigger, and they're not the same thing. Because a man and a woman who both weigh seventy kgs, the man is going to be stronger. Now, look, I'm sure you all have aunties and sisters and wives who are fucking powerlifters and would kick my ass and all the rest of it. I get that. Okay, this is a generalization, a generalization, a generalization. Okay, I'm speaking in very, very broad terms here. But my my point stands that. Being physically stronger, especially with the upper body in tennis, is a massive advantage. So much so, and this there's an ironic twist to the tennis element. I believe that women's tennis is actually more popular than men's. I stand to be corrected on this now, so any tennis enthusiasts fucking hit me up a message. But my understanding of it is that women's tennis is more popular because the men's serves are so fucking fast that they're practically unreturnable. And if you do return them, you can't get sufficient return on the ball and then subsequent return on that return and subsequent return on that return for what they call, I think, a rally to happen, a back and forth. It does happen with men, but I think it happens far more often with women because the ball just isn't fired out of a fucking rifle from the start and can be can be hit back with sufficient force as to require it to be hit back with sufficient force and again it's a, it's a positive feedback loop and it's, it's a more enjoyable sport so in an ironic way the women who are you know weaker are better in a sense which I think is kind of cool but anyway getting back to horse racing and again I don't know anything about horse racing but I would imagine that your strength is relevant very much so. I would have thought pound for pound if... I thought pound for pound men would be far better jockeys than women. Now, obviously fucking not because Nina Carberry smashes the men all the fucking time. And again, I, I don't know the details of it, but my understanding is that she won... Fuck. What's it called? The Grand National. Which is, you know, one of the pinnacle of... It's probably the pinnacle of horse racing. I'm sure many people think it is. Again, I don't know anything about horse racing. But I do know that Nina Carberry is a world-class, elite horse racer. 
if that's even the word they use. Jockey. <laughs> like, at the, at the highest of highest levels. And not for women. For people. And I, I'd love to ask her what her opinion is on the fact that, you know, there's women's snooker. Now, granted, there is a certain amount of strength in snooker. You know, the, the more powerful, the more powerfully you can hit the ball, you know, the more backspin you can put on it and blah, blah, blah. Now, technique takes over to a massive degree, I think, because when you think about it, the best snooker players in the world are, you know, big fucking muscly men. Golf, I think there's the same analogy there in golf. Golf isn't dominated by huge big men. At least I don't think it is. Maybe it is. Maybe everyone who's maybe every man who's ever won any golfing tournament is six foot four. Maybe it's like basketball. You kind of you need to be of a certain height in order to get the the leverage or the swing or whatever it is to to drive the ball. But even in that, in golf, men and women don't compete on equal terms. They might compete against each other, or there might be like mixed doubles in the same way there is with golf or not golf tennis. I don't know. But one thing I do know is there's such a thing as a women's tee box or a lady's tee box. And guess what? It's closer to the fucking hole. So I'd be absolutely fascinated to hear Nina's thoughts. If she is any, maybe she's too busy fucking paddling her own canoe to, you know, have even noticed that there's women's only sports. It's just, it, listen, it's, it's a fascinating topic. It really is. And I'd be very much inclined to hear what my listeners think. Like, maybe you're sitting there shaking your head going, oh my God, you sexist pig. You know, go back to the 1940s when it was black and white and, you know, just terrible for women, basically. Like, or maybe you've thought the same thing yourself. And maybe you're saying, Jesus, finally, someone with the balls to, you know, speak their mind. Not afraid of offending sponsors or not afraid of getting fired or not afraid of causing controversy and that's another thing I'm not I, I understand how controversial my views on on something like women are generally let's say or feminism or anything that I'm not basically so I have views on let's say fat people but I'm not a fat person I have a view on you know brown black and yellow people but I'm not a brown black and yellow person and a lot of times and increasingly in our society there's this idea that you know, you, you shouldn't speak of things which you haven't experienced. And people who say that can fuck off as far as I'm concerned, because guess what? I'm not a neuroscience. I'm not a neurosurgeon or a neurologist. But I do have an interest. And uh, I'll speak my mind on it from a point of ignorance in order to reduce my ignorance and become somewhat more enlightened or educated or wiser. And why the fuck shouldn't I? So I'm going to continue to have provocative conversations and be provocative but not for the sake of antagonizing people that's that's not my aim and I'm, I'm not a provocateur i'm going to have conversations and record solo episodes like this that might provoke a couple of people and, but i want to provoke conversations but i think that i can be that without only being a provocateur someone like milo yiannopoulos now to me he is just a, prov a provocateur and that's something that i absolutely don't want to be not ever that's akin to clickbait that's akin to just stirring the pot and bullshitting people basically and speaking of provoking conversations and being provocative this coming wednesday i have rory coogan on the podcast 
really, really looking forward to chatting to Rudy. Really. Really. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where to start with Rudy. He, um, he's not afraid of controversy, I'll give him that much. And uh, I literally was just speaking to him there this morning, and he mentioned that in the past people have said, look, Rory, you're, you're putting up all these posts about political and religious matters and, and different things, and, you know, you're not getting any likes, and, you know, why don't you just stop? And I can't help but feel that he got a bit disheartened by that kind of feedback. And uh, that's a fucking shame, because one thing that came up during our, our brief conversation there earlier was this idea that... You know, this notion that you shouldn't talk about religion or politics. And to me, they're the only two things worth talking about. Everything else stems from both of those things. I mean, when you think about it, how we conduct our own personal lives and our, our inner thoughts and our beliefs and how our society is organised. Like, those two things are literally the only two things worth fucking talking about, ever. And Rory has some controversial views, no doubt. And I can't wait to, to get into the weeds with him about God knows all sorts of things. I stand to be corrected on this, but I'm fairly sure he doesn't have Wi-Fi in his house. Because, you know, signals and stuff. <laughs> I don't know, I genuinely don't. And again, I'm not going to, as usual, I'm not going to go onto his Facebook page and read all his posts. And see if he's written a blog and read that and ask people that know him better than I do about this and about that. I want to go into it pretty blind. I know he has some controversial views in relation to pretty much everything. Um, so it would be just, it would be a, a fascinating conversation. But the, the guy is not just a, not your typical conspiracy theorist, I don't think. Now, I stand to be corrected on that as well. Maybe he'll come out here and tell me that the world is flat and, you know, chemtrails and, and all the rest of it. But he strikes me as being, I suppose, too intelligent, I suppose, to to be a full-blown conspiracy theorist. I think he just sees so much wrong with the world that he's lost faith in it, to a degree. And look, we'll, we'll get into that on Wednesday, so I don't want to take up too much of your time talking about what I will be talking about on Wednesday. But look forward to that. That's that's set to be a good one. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And I can imagine that being one I'm going to have to listen to a couple of times. Or that it might spark another conversation with somebody else about something else. Who knows? What else did I want to say? Yes, I've been hearing from people, which has been great. In the last 24 hours, I think I've gotten more messages via Facebook, via the email, and just via WhatsApp and that. Yeah, I think it's fair to say in the last two days I've gotten more messages off people than I have since I started. I might have to try and quantify that a bit because I haven't put a whole pile of thought into it, and that mightn't be quite correct, but it's not fucking far off. Two days out of, you know, a couple of months, which is fantastic. And most of it's been, you know kind of words of encouragement with a topping of did 25 push-ups today or you know you want to see the state of my signature with my left hand haha you know little things like that and to fucking hear that you're making any kind of a difference whatsoever is so reassuring it's unbelievable like it really is and it's, it's great and there, I seem to be I don't know I, I seem to be creating a little micro community of sorts which is just fucking class it really really is and I've thought a lot about the reach that this podcast could have and how it could kind of go international and, and all this and the more and more I, I think about it the more I'm inclined to not keep it local because 
I have it online and you know there there is no there is no countries and there is no borders online. You're as close to the lads two miles down or next door as you are the lad in Australia these days, which is fucking fantastic. But there's something about keeping this local that I that I really like. So bearing that in mind, this is a shout out to anybody who's listening regularly and who let's say knows me. Or maybe doesn't know me, but no somebody who's listening regularly and is from, you know, the greater Mead area. I want to speak to you. Don't think, oh, I'm not an extreme downhill mountain biker or I'm not mad into psychedelics. You know, there's nothing wrong with being normal. There's something very wrong with only being normal and just, you know, having no original thought. But I don't think, I don't think those kind of people are out there, really. I think most people are fascinating creatures. And it's not until you get talking to them that you actually realise how how in depth they are and, and how they how they excel at certain things and how they struggle at, at other things and I said it earlier a couple of times I think in the last couple of podcasts we're all individuals but we all pigeonhole nicely into great big groups of people so any guest that comes on even if you think you know you're you're kind of by yourself or you're on your own there's God knows how many millions of people out there who more or less think and feel not exactly the same way as you do because they haven't grown up as you in your life, but not that fucking far off. So I suppose, in summation to that point, what I'm looking for is more guests. More guests. Like, I'm, I'm committing to doing the podcast every day for the next, whatever it is, 37 days, this being day 3 or 40. But I don't intend to let the the conversations slide while I'm doing that. And I'm by no means inundated with people looking to come on. So if you've got an inkling that, you know, you might enjoy it, fucking bite the bullet and do it. Just do it. Maybe contact me and say you've been thinking about doing it, but you're not ready. And I'll say, we'll have a con- we'll start a conversation. And maybe you'll come on in six months' time. But again, baby steps. Maybe send an email. I'm off the lead at gmail.com. Send me an email saying, hey man, I'd love to come on, but, you know, can't because of work can't because of herself, can't because I don't have the time, you know, whatever it is, and I'll say, listen, fair enough, you know, do you want me to stick a reminder in my calendar and give you a buzz back in, you know, six months time, or maybe I might be able to say, look, I'll come to you, you don't have to come to me, or maybe I'll say, look man, I'll call up to you at fucking two in the morning and we'll record it, you know, I'm looking for guests essentially, that, that's, that's, the, that's the take home point that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to drive home here. I want to have more conversations with more people for loads of different reasons. Number one, first and foremost, because I enjoy talking to people. Secondly, everyone that I've spoken to, with the exception of Ivor and Anthony Murphy from Mythical Ireland, I knew all those guys. Everyone else I kind of knew. Those two guys were essentially blind strangers. Anthony, 100% blind stranger. Ivor, you know, we met when we were kids and hadn't spoken in fucking 20 years, literally. So we, we, we didn't know each other, but there was some form of background there. So I'm, I'm keen to speak to more people like Anthony, absolute blind strangers. And I'm not looking for, you know, crazy engineers or people who've done mad adventures or have had crazy lives. You know, normal people talking about normal stuff is, is where the real bare bones conversations that I'm, I'm keen to have with people are. So hit me up an email. I'm off the lead at gmail.com. Let me know how you're getting on with your 40 day challenge 
as we've now renamed Lent. What are you doing? What are you not doing? How's it going for you? Are you struggling? Are you flying? Is it something different? Is it exactly something that I recommended? What do you think of the daily podcast? Is it too much? Should it be every second day? You know, let, let me know your thoughts. I'm, I'm genuinely interested because, I'm, I'm again, I've, I've gotten far more messages in the last two days than I have since I started. But again, I'm by no means inundated with messages. So a little bit of feedback goes a very, very long way. You've noticed the difference between the intro to the first one and the second two. And that was all in the back of my little brother basically saying, listen, you might want to fucking cheer up there, little fellow. Another guy who's agreed to come on is Adrian Harrington. Adrian Harrington runs Movement Ireland. I think that's what it's called. Fuck. I should have double-checked that before I mentioned it. But anyway, he's based out in Ashburn, and he's a fascinating dude. I met him I met him originally when I was training with Roger, um, with the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. To Roger's credit, he got him in as a, I suppose, a, a once-off trainer of sorts, um, almost like a, like a guest coach of sorts. And he came in and had us doing cartwheels and handstands and attempting planches and, and all sorts of stuff. So I might actually throw up a link to to his page and maybe Rory's page as well. I, I'll get permission off the two lads before I do that, but it might let you get as much of an insight into them as I have, say. Donald Cuff has also agreed to come on the podcast. Donald is an air traffic controller. So that'll be a fascinating conversation because I think increasingly we find ourselves flying around all over the world here there and everywhere and not thinking for a second what the hell goes on behind the scenes and that that's cool in itself but i think we're i think we're really missing out there and i think donald's going to be able to shed some light on a on an entirely you know different universe essentially and again he's just he's in a loop that you know most people aren't and will hopefully give us a window into into the you know the whole world of air traffic control and airports and passenger planes and you know fighter jets and i don't fucking know um you know commercial airlines etc i also have a glacial geologist coming along he uh robbie meehan's his name now it'll probably be another month or so before robbie's on but as far as i can remember robbie's actually toured the states speaking about glacial geology so i'm really keen to talk to him about the ice age in ireland as touched on at the start of my conversation with with Anthony from Mythical Ireland. Anthony explained to me that ancient Irish history, as we know it today, started after the Ice Age. But that's only because massive ice sheets came down and essentially wiped the island of Ireland clean of anything that had happened before it. So it would be very interesting to speak to Robbie about that ice sheet because my understanding of ice sheets during Ice Ages is that they're like a mild thick. So my understanding of the Ice Age that covered Ireland for a couple of thousand years was that it was a mile high of solid ice. Imagine the weight of a mile high solid piece of ice sliding across the entire country. Like the deposits of soil that that would have created, the, the, the valleys and... I don't know, maybe lakes, maybe rivers, you know, presumably it would have guided the the entire topography of the country. Maybe not, I don't know, but if anyone knows, Robbie Meehan knows. So looking forward to talking to him. Aside from that, I've half a dozen other people that I've kind of reached out and spoken to who have 
kind of tepidly agreed to maybe come on, but you know, we'll see. I'm not hunting people down anymore. I did that at the start, you know, just basically trying to get people on all the time and you know 20 emails and 10 phone calls to try and get them on but now it's you know the, the offer goes out it's left as an open invitation you know if, if you're not keen to come on and do it it doesn't really happen but i think the more people that are listening the more people that are talking the more likely i am from people contacting me who have something to say because look i'll talk to everybody about anything but if you've got something to say we're off to the races there's there's a starting point because that's all that I need in order to have a four hour conversation all I need is a topic to start with and that's all that we rehearse is the wrong word but I suppose we do rehearse it a little bit at the start of every podcast when I have a guest on I'll say something like okay before I hit record I'll say to the guest right I'm going to talk about this pen at the start and we'll take it from there so what I'll say is and we're live this pen Paul tell me about this pen Paul already knows that I was going to ask him about that He's ready to talk about, and that's it. We're off to the races for whatever it is, two, three, four hours. And don't be put off with the length either, because if you are only if you only think you can do an hour and a half, we'll just do an hour and a half one. A couple of shorter ones would probably be a welcomed addition, because I understand how hard it can be, especially if you've only recently got into podcasting, how hard and how daunting a fucking four-hour conversation is. So speaking of the fucking length of podcasts, I'm running over the half an hour mark. Keep listening, keep writing reviews, subscribing, liking, sharing, start the conversation, continue the conversation, keep up your 40-day challenge, whatever it is, let me know how you're getting on, thanks for listening, thanks for the words of encouragement, and I'll chat to you tomorrow.